It's time for Lawyers for Jesus, a show about the dynamic and exciting interaction of faith and the law. Featuring the attorneys from the law firm Malkin Baker in downtown Chicago. Malkin Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and for serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm John Mauk, a partner and attorney at the firm of Mauk and Baker in Chicago. We're Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Messiah with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to maukbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Or call at 312-726-1243. Do you have a heart for the unborn? Do you want to help these littlest of our children come to earth to be alive, to be born? Um, Do you have a heart to help the women who find themselves with unplanned pregnancy? And are are you angry and frustrated with people that are pro-abortion? Well, today we're speaking with Tom Seselka, the founder and president of TC Public Relations, a media company that specializes in crisis communications, media relationships, uh, social media strategy for churches, ministries, and not-for-profits. And as someone who deals closely with the press and is on the forefront of pro-life ministry. Tom understands the power of wording. Tom, welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus. Oh, thank you, John. You know, Tom, all of these uh, uh, anti-abortion friends that we have, and we're all anti-abortion, and we're making these uh, pro-abortion people angry with us. How do we begin to approach the problem of language and is it with the words, or do we start with the heart? How, help us out here, because we have people who want to learn and want to be part of the army. Yeah, well, I think if you look at how people learn about the language, many times you learn about the language by listening to the news, right? Because not everybody who's pro-life is necessarily involved in a pro-life organization. So let me ask you a question, John. I'm going to give you some uh, information from an analysis that was done by how the media reports on abortion, and I want you to guess what year this analysis came out. (laughs) The news media, here's the first point, the news media consistently uses language and images that frame the entire abortion debate in terms that implicitly favor abortion rights advocates. Two, abortion rights advocates are often quoted more frequently and characterized more favorably uh, than are abortion opponents. Three, events and issues favorable to abortion opponents are sometimes ignored or given minimal attention by the media. I've been there. (laughs) Uh, Columns or commentary favoring abortion rights uh, outnumber those opposing abortion by a margin of more than two to one on the op-ed pages of most national major daily newspapers. Can you tell me what year that came out? 1969. Close, 1990. <laughs> so but it seems to have always been that way. Right. And uh, uh, we characterize uh, ourselves as pro-life, but they characterize us as abortion opponents. Right, right. Because you're right. I mean, pro-choice, pro-life. As a matter of fact, even NPR recently talked about how they're even taking that out of their – it's been out of their uh, policy as far as saying that, only because – 
they feel those are words that people describe themselves doesn't necessarily describe the reality because you're right, I would be pro-choice. If I want to have a Coke or a Pepsi, I guess I would be pro-choice. But obviously it gets framed differently when we're in the abortion debate. And the, the difference, is it based on truth? Because you say that's what the NPR is saying, or is it based on their prejudice, their fact that they're pro-abortion and they want to influence opinions? Right, right. Well, absolutely. You know, it's funny, you know, you should mention that. There was um, uh, there was a, um, a someone who was uh, writing in uh, and complaining that they were saying to NPR, they were complaining that they had reported that the, the woman who was pregnant was talking about her baby. And they thought that was offensive because she doesn't become a mother until she the baby is born. So therefore, she was talking about being a mother with the baby inside her. And, and you just kind of scratch your head. And you're thinking, well, why are you arguing that point in the first place? Yeah. Uh, because you become a mother the the moment you become pregnant. Right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, we know that, and science science knows that. Um, but uh, go through some of the vocabulary that we have a problem with and ex explain how we should change that, and particularly when the use of vocabulary is used against us and it makes us angry, how do we respond yeah, well, I think part of it is to realize it depends upon the audience. So, for example, you know, there was a time we would not want to say termination of pregnancy, right? We would rather say abortion, uh, infanticide, killing of the innocent. So, as a matter of fact, just in the last those couple— Those are all true. And those are all true. And um, in, in the last couple of months, the New York Times actually talked about how the pro-life—they probably didn't say pro-life. I can't remember what they said— but they said that the infanticide word is making a difference. And they're polling and they're seeing how that is because people can understand killing a baby regardless whether in utero or uh, you know, having been, been, been born. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm John Mauk, partner of the law firm of Mauk and Baker. If you missed part of this episode or want to hear more, other Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit MalkBaker.com. You can also subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with a biblical perspective. Today we're speaking with Tom Siselka, founder of TC Public Relations, about our language when we speak about abortions and the, and the pro-life issues. And you said the word infanticide is now changing opinions. And I don't use that word very often, even though I'm involved, because I don't want to inflame the opposition. I, I want to rationally discuss that these are children without uh, pouring gasoline on, on, a, on, a, on a smoldering uh, fire that might uh, cause the, uh, the argument to uh, just to burst into flames and, and be not productive for the Lord. So if I, if you, you said audience is important. If I'm talking to a pro-choice, a pro-abortion person, mm -hmm. uh, when do I use infanticide and when do I back away from that? Yeah, well, it depends. Again, you have to know the person. Uh, what I'm finding is a lot of people in the last several months, particularly with the way the states have you know, been on both sides of the issue, obviously you compare Alabama with a very strong uh, pro-life legislation that's come down the past year compared to Illinois, which literally takes abortion up to uh, a birth. 
And uh, what I've seen is that people are using words like heartbeat. And the fact that a heartbeat is detected within the first you know, six to eight weeks after a woman becomes pregnant, uh, that gives a sense of emotion because you can, you can heartbeat as a picture, right? You can hear it, you can see it, you can feel it. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, in Ohio, when the Ohio heartbeat legislation was in process, uh, when the ACLU was putting out their um, uh, press releases, obviously they're certainly not going to acknowledge heartbeat, but they're but they but they were saying in their press release was no forced births, you know. So that was their response to heartbeat. Uh, you know, they, you know, didn't using, to, they didn't want to use the word, even exactly. though that, that was the bill. Exactly. Well, it kind of goes back to you never want to necessarily endorse your opposition by using their language. And for those who certainly know, you know, go back to the time of Richard Nixon and his impeachment uh, or, pe- or p- potential impeachment. One of the things that Richard Nixon said is, I am not a crook. Well, it's not a good thing to say I'm not something. So to use words that your opposition uses, whether they say that you're anti-women, uh, that you're anti-choice, you certainly don't want to be labeled with that. As a matter of fact, you know, NPR, in their analysis and sharing of how they talk about this, they made it clear we will not use the word pro-life. We will not use the word pro-choice unless, of course, the person we're interviewing uses that, and we can't obviously stop them from how they describe themselves. So in, in that case, you have to use the words that you feel best describes your position if you are talking to someone. And if you're talking to a hardened uh, person who just feels that abortion is just a, a right, the Supreme Court settled it you know, back in the 70s, uh, then you have to use these words that at least create pictures of um, what is right. The other thing talking about audiences, you have to remember most people get their news from Facebook, unfortunately. <laughs> and so uh, a picture is worth a thousand words. Uh, I know a case of uh, a young woman who was talking with a friend of hers who was pro-life and the young woman was considering an abortion. And she says, hold on, uh, I want to show you something on Facebook. And she literally pulled up an image and a video that talked about you know, why a baby is a baby, shows some ultrasound pictures. And the woman actually changed her mind only because this, remember, this woman remembered a very powerful post on Facebook that was that picture or that video that was worth more than a thousand words. Well, amen. That just gives me a thought that our listeners, and I think I'm going to try to do this myself. Maybe you can help me. I carry around pictures of my children, my grandchildren in my wallet. Um, I don't have pictures of them in utero, unfortunately, but they are available. Uh, everybody ought to carry those around because I, I, I think your point that communications isn't just words. Even if we got the right words, if we can bring a picture in, it is just so much more helpful in framing the discussion. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. I know uh, in Illinois and in Wisconsin, uh, there were a couple state fairs and pro-life groups would have the models of babies being developed from you know conception to birth. And they try to stop them from putting those displays out. <laughs> yeah. In that case, they're simply de- denying science. Well, coming up, we're going to talk further with Tom Soselko, founder of TC Public Relations, about what we can do to correct the misleading language used by the abortion industry and, most of all, reach the hearts of these people who are in darkness so that we can show the love of Jesus. I'm John Mauck, and this is Lawyers for Jesus.
Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm John Mauk, an attorney at Mauk & Baker, a law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, individuals, and businesses in all their legal needs. If you missed the first part of the show and want to listen online, go to maukbaker.com forward slash radio, and you can hear this program and many others uh, that we've recorded that uh, can help you grow in your faith and serve the Lord in today's uh, really confusing and contentious world. Today we're speaking with Tom Seselka, founder of DC Public Relations, about how to deal with the language in the abortion pro-life disputes, and particularly, Tom, how do we start with ourselves? Because I've been very angry at, at times concerning pro-abortion people, what they're doing, their ignorance, uh, their lying, their or, or blindness, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I'm sure they've been angry with me, but uh, is that the attitude the Lord wants, uh, a righteous anger, or does he want us to love our enemies? And, and how do we start dealing with our own selves before we learn the right language? Right. Well, I think we have to remember we're actually all starting at the same place as what we would call our uh, pro-abortion um, adversaries. We all start at the same place that we need to come to Jesus at the cross. And it reminds me in Romans one twenty one, where it says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, their foolish hearts were darkened. And I think we all come from a place of having darkened hearts until we come to know Jesus as our, as our Savior. So uh, in my own case, certainly before I knew the Lord, I thought, I, I just, all the arguments for abortion made absolute sense to me. It's just a clump of cells. It's not a baby until it, it comes out. Why would you force this poor woman who's barely making it on, you know, a public aid or welfare checks, or uh, you know, the only medical treatment they can get is through Medicaid, why would you force her to now have to work harder to spend thousands of dollars to bring, to allow this, this I, I don't know, I'm, hopefully I said child, into the world. And I totally understood that. And it wasn't until I saw the light that came through Christ that said, wait a minute. And then once you see that, then you start understanding that I was knitted in my mother's womb. And the last time, I don't don't sew much, but the last time I saw knitting, it usually starts with some very thin threads that are put together into a bigger thread, and it becomes more and more and more, which means we literally go back to the point of conception. But it only starts with the heart. So the people who are on this side, in many cases, the people that I've personally dealt with who have been harshest to me on the abortion side and have you know, sometimes cursed me out, they've been touched by abortion. In some cases, if it's a woman, they've had an abortion. You know, on, on Twitter, uh, there, there's a – well, they're, they're all over the place, but there's this movement called Shout Your Abortion. And it's a big movement. Matter of fact, I remember uh, at one point there was a woman who actually allowed a video camera into the abortion facility and literally followed her as she went into the facility. Obviously, she was covered. They performed the abortion. She was smiling, and then they wheeled her out. And you, and you just realize how sad it was that she was literally shouting her abortion through a YouTube video. But in this one tweet from Shout Your Abortion, it said, 
Honestly, I feel a bit of everything. I definitely feel sad and empty, though I was given such great support through the process, so I know this will pass. So with that, I feel empowered. Roller coaster, yes, but you'll get through this just fine. I got to tell you, I mean, that's a tweet, (laughs) hopefully under 140 characters, so to speak. But a lot is in that. And I think when you talk about the heart, you're probably talking to people who have been wounded for the most part, and you have to reach out to them. And you just realize that the only way they can be touched and their heart changed is through Christ. And it's going to be through our, our love, not that we want to you know, just kind of squash them and, and berate them. Well, we don't want to say, I love you enough to agree with you. Absolutely. And we want to have the dialogue, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, we want ourselves to first of all feel the compassion rather than the anger so so there's a repentance that we have to go through in a process of self-examination i think david cried out lord search me mm-hmm. and see if there's any wicked way within me and and i think that's another beginning place uh, we're believers but we need to have god search us and say God, give me the right attitude. Give me the Jesus love for people who were just in the same situation mm-hmm. that I was, mm-hmm. lost and with, without hope, without Messiah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you find that when you talk to people, it's no different than sharing the gospel. You have to uh, listen. You know, James tells us to listen much and speak little. <laughs> and, and, you know, I have no, found... That's not a word for lawyers for Jesus, is it? <laughs> well, maybe not. But, but I do find if someone's, you know, I understand if somebody is hard in that position and there's nothing you're going to really be able to do about it. However, for the person who is willing to have a, a sincere dialogue, that's usually the place to start, just to ask them, why do you feel so strongly about a woman's right to have an abortion and then go from there? Amen. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm John Mauck of the law firm Mauck & Baker, and we're talking to Tom Seselka, the founder of TC Public Relations, about how to communicate the pro-life message, what words to use. And right now we've been talking about what attitude to have. And when we have uh, work on our own attitude, our own repentance, uh, and asks for God's love and compassion for those who are pro-choice, pro-abortion, who've had abortions, uh, then we can start. And you said asking questions is probably better than coming in and saying you're wrong. Absolutely. You know, uh, many times when I've talked to folks, you know, one of the first things I say, well, well, tell me how you feel that really. I really want to understand. I really want to understand. And as long as I'm willing to listen and, uh, you know, this kind of goes back to basic communications. We're always tempted. I have the answer, and I don't care what you say. I'm just going to come out with my answer as soon as you finish talking. And that really doesn't work. You know, uh, I, I remember years ago, uh, there was a, a woman I worked with. <laughs> I was in sales, and I was a sales manager. And I always remember she came to my office, and she just ripped me apart because she wasn't happy about how I was managing her. And she – and. I didn't know where it came from. And I had an open office, so the whole per- office heard her curse me out. Well, eventually she quit. And for some reason, um, and I wasn't even a Christian at the time, we stayed in touch. Uh, she became very successful in marketing and public relations for some of the biggest institutions in the city of Chicago. And then one day, um, we decided to have a cup of coffee and reconnect. Uh, her name was Karen. And we had a cup of coffee. And then at some point, she had to tell, I don't know why, she, at that time I was saved and I knew Jesus. 
she told me she had two abortions. Oh, wow. Now, you know, we went from, you know, cursing me out to kind of becoming, you know, <laughs> friends in the communications business. And I just remember we had a, you know, a conversation. And at the end of it, I just allowed her to kind of let the tears come through her eyes very slowly. And I just told her who I was in Jesus. And I left it at that. Now, I don't know what happened after that, but I just know that I was able to be compassionate. I was able to listen. I allowed her to cry. I allowed her to hurt in front of me and without without judgment. Because the fact that she was willing to be that vulnerable, uh, that certainly tells me, what would Jesus do? It would be the woman at the well, and that would be, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to help you. Yes, and, and Jesus wept over Jerusalem. And, and you're giving me a thought, even as we speak right now, uh, I have wept for the unborn children, imagining how they they feel, uh, and I've I've wept for the women who were forced into abortion and tricked into abortion and uh, uh, deceived into abortion. But I haven't really wept for those that are promulgating this: the abortionists, the legislators that are blind, uh, the Governor Pritzkers who are. Uh, absolutely, apparently proud to destroy unborn life and to facilitate that. And uh, even as we speak, I, I, I have that anger. Jesus uh, turned over the tables in the temple. There's mm-hmm. a time for righteous anger, but there's also a time to be broken and weep for the Pritzkers and and the Rounders and uh and the others. So I'm going to ask God to do that in my life, and and maybe some of our listeners will will think that that's something uh, that they can do, so that we can have a, th- a thorough love for all of our opponents before we we speak the truth. Yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. Just uh, recently, Governor Pritzker signed uh, SB 25, which was a horrendous abortion legislation. You know, basically, it takes away all rights uh, from the baby. Uh, it allows abortion right up to right up to birth. Uh, it, it just it's it's horrible. And you can learn certainly more about it um, at pro life uh, organizations or pro pro life media. Just this week, he signed legislation to protect animals in in kennels. <laughs> oh wow! So you can imagine, I get a little fed up in thinking. You know, on one hand, he's condemning these children to death, but the other hand, he's protecting dogs. Wow, Tom, thank you for speaking with us today. How can people learn more about TC Public Relations, and how can they learn more about effective communications in the pro-life message? Sure. Well, they can certainly reach out to me. Uh, the website is uh, TC, like Topcat, P-R, T-C-P-R dot net, N-E-T. Certainly welcome to give me a call at 312-422-1333. And I have some resources. As a matter of fact, I had an op-ed in the, the Daily Caller last year about how to break through the media and language and be happy to share that with anyone who wants to reach out to me. Well, if you have a legal need or question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, you can contact us at Malkin Baker. And our number is 312 312- 726-1243. Our website is maukbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Thanks for listening. I'm John Mauk, attorney at Mauk and Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus. You're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. 